Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Hello, listeners. This is Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense. I'm Dr. Fiona Lovely, and thank you for being here. Today, I wanted to discuss uh, or share with you a story of a woman who came to see me. Uh, She was actually in my office for wellness care with her family. And she happened to bring up to me that uh, they were having difficulties conceiving and that uh, because of her, what the doctors considered to be advanced maternal age uh, in her late 30s, Um, she was considered to be high risk and was being referred to the fertility clinic, uh, here in our city and, um, was wondering if I had any suggestions or, um, opportunities for hope for her. And so I started to talk to her a little bit about what was going on with her cycle. And she told me that she had a history of what she called hellacious periods, um, that she was a heavy bleeder, that she would often be out of work for a couple of days each month uh, just because the pain was so intense for her when she was uh, menstruating. And that her doctors had diagnosed her with uh, fibroids and endometriosis. and um, But she and her husband wanted very much to have a child. And um, was were there any suggestions I had? So I asked her again what her number one symptom was. And she said the pain and the heavy bleeding. And I started to probe uh, probe questions to her about what her diet was like. And she ate a very typical uh, diet, um, lots of refined carbs. Uh, She thought she was doing a pretty good job by having uh, vegetables every day and um, grains like the food guide suggests, um, a huge number of grains for us to eat every day. And, uh, And, you know, thought... She ate meat and, you know, low-fat this and soy that, so she thought she was doing pretty well. So first thing I suggested to her was that she needed to quit uh, consuming products that had soy in them. Soy is a phytoestrogen, meaning it's a plant-based estrogen, meaning it mimics estrogen in our bodies. So for many years, a lot of women who are having symptoms of perimenopause, like this young woman was, uh, was actually uh, told by their healthcare provider that soy could be helpful. Now, here's what we know about endometriosis and fibroids. Uh, Absolutely, anytime there is an issue of heavy menstrual bleeding, pain, lots of clotting, etc., it has to do with too much estrogen in the system, something we call estrogen dominance. Now, you may wonder how this can happen. Of course, uh, quite simply, 
not only do you have your endogenous estrogen or the estrogen that your body produces with your glands and organs and actually your fat tissue, your adipose tissue does produce fat uh, estrogen as well. Um, we get it from our environment. So things like chemicals, uh, fragrances, that is fake smells, um, carpet backing, cosmetics, uh, non-VOC paint, um, petroleum products. These things all have a mild estrogenic effect on the body, but because they're cumulative and we're exposed to so much of it throughout the day, it does actually end up being a significant amount. And those are called xenoestrogens or essentially alien estrogens is what that turns out to be. The other place we get it from is from our phytoestrogens. And our phytoestrogens can be, uh, again, something we've been told can be helpful, like drinking soy milk or having soy products. Soy is a very strong phytoestrogen. And... Um, it's not to be uh, dismissed for sure. Uh, flax oil, actually flaxseed oil, which is a vegetarian omega fat source, actually does have a mild uh, phytoestrogenic effect. However, its effect can be used to our benefit uh, in certain situations. So um, again, more on that when we discuss estrogen dominance more in detail. So what this woman was saying was that she was obviously having issues with too much estrogen because of the fact that she was uh, endometriosis, fibroids. Um, the doctor was also talking potentially she could be PCOS too or polycystic ovary syndrome, uh, which didn't seem quite right to me at the time. But, um, you know, again, the body surprises us as physicians all the time. Uh, and I just suggested to her, I said, why don't we, before we get too excited and start testing your hormones, etc. Why don't you try doing a non-inflammatory diet and see what happens? And at the time, I wasn't thinking so much about fertility because, of course, she and her husband had been trying to get pregnant for several years at this point. I was thinking more along the lines of, let's bring the inflammation down and see if it helps the heavy bleeding. And wouldn't you know, within the first month, her periods were less hellacious and more manageable and within two months two to three months somewhere in there she was pregnant which to me was the best possible outcome of course she went on to have that child and a few more after that and um you know when she came back to me she had a sense of why wasn't i told these things by my general practitioner? Why was I automatically referred to a very expensive fertility program within the system? Why wasn't I told that really changing my diet could make a huge difference? Now, in her case, um, it's hard to say what her GP was thinking. Um, however, I can comment on the fact that she seemed to have a wheat allergy or an allergy to gluten. And uh, we know that can come from uh, rye and barley as well as some others, but those are the sort of main offenders, wheat, rye, and barley. And she, from that day, never ate it again. 
And I, of course, suggested strongly that this was not the time to introduce it while she was pregnant because if she was allergic to it, then chances are her fetus could also be allergic to it. And um, she's had no issues. She dropped a pile of weight. Um, the issues with her periods went away, as I mentioned. And pregnancy was no longer a challenge for her, which was really, really very exciting. But I think what what really needs to be said here is the health effects uh, of diet. And even the things we're told that are good for us turn out often to be the very things that are the worst for us. And, and wheat is a really good example of that. There certainly is lots in the scientific literature to show how, the wheat, how wheat or uh, gluten in our diet is um, not only pro-inflammatory or causes inflammation in the system and of course you know inflammation is the reason why we have so many of the chronic diseases that we do and of course for a lot of people that inflammation comes from stress I dare say most of us that inflammation comes from stress uh, as well as other factors like uh, sedentary lifestyle or poor diet or uninformed diet maybe is a better way to say it but um, what we may not be aware is that the gluten actually shows to be toxic to our brain and toxic to our gut and actually causes us to launch an autoimmune response. And the way that happens is when a food that is an allergy is released from the gut, that is something called leaky gut syndrome or increased uh, intestinal permeability. Um, it gets into the bloodstream and the and then the immune system goes, uh-oh, this is not something that's supposed to be here. We better launch an attack against it. And therefore, we, we um, create what we call gliadin antibodies, which can be measured in the blood and saliva. And, um, and in fact, this is the newer testing for things like celiac. Uh, in in terms of um, um, allopathic medicine and, and their take on that, but uh, so what happens is we we essentially become allergic to the foods we may have eaten our entire lives. Now this seems to become more of an issue for women the older we get, and it doesn't have to do so much with age as with continued uh, low grade exposure to these things that are pro-inflammatory, which then cause us to eventually launch an autoimmune response to it or an antibody response. And so um, really looking at the diet and figuring out which items in there can be pro-inflammatory. Certainly we know about sugar is pro-inflammatory. Um, we know that healthy fats can help the system very much, although there are those out there that are still talking about low fat. I hope to, uh, to deal with that a little more in depth uh, in a future episode. Um, however, we're going to stick uh, to gluten today. And um, you know what we know is that wheat is is uh, is also a pro-inflammatory for a lot of people. Dairy as well, and dairy and wheat can have cross-reactivity, meaning that you can have a core um, allergy to one, but you're causing an allergic response to the other because your reaction is so great in the body. So, as you can imagine, just think of it like a like an inferno, like your body is just 
in flames and you keep each one of these things whether it's a dairy allergy or a gluten allergy or eating lots of sugars or you're not getting enough fats or you're not getting enough sleep um, all of those things are like throwing petrol on the fire causing it to burn hotter and over time the system just can't handle that kind of stress and inflammation so getting it under control can can be a really important part of things now, to bring it back to this patient, uh, as I said, she has, uh, as, as of last um, account, uh, never reintroduced wheat to her diet. Her children are gluten-free and healthy, and um, her husband is also gluten-free and healthy. It's a pretty cool thing when you get to learn through watching someone close to you just how poisonous these things can be. So moral of the story is the things that you think may be healthy for you may actually be showing them to to be shown to be exactly the opposite these days. And it's a good idea to work with a practitioner who is current on the research and keep in mind that when it comes to med school, from the time new ideas, new research is released and that the doctors on the ground are the cutting edge ones are working with and seeing real change. And it takes 17 years to reach med school. Then you have uh, the time that the doctor is going through residency, internship, etc. before it reaches you. So in this case, you really have to be your own healthcare advocate. Do your own research. Always trust your instinct and know that your primary care physician or healthcare provider may not even be aware of the things we're talking about. In fact, they may still be recommending exactly the opposite. There are practitioners out there that are still following the Canada Food Guide or the American Food Guide, which says, uh, I think it's 8 to 11 servings of grain a day, that kind of diet will keep us sick and fat. And it behooves you to really question whether or not that's healthy for you. So with that in mind, keep uh, keep in mind, you can check us out, drlovely.com and uh, sign up for our email newsletters. Uh, you can also find the podcast episodes there. Uh, please go to our Facebook page, which is Not Your Mother's Menopause. Making hormones make sense. You can leave a um, comment or question. And until next time, thanks for listening. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you. Thank you.